0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Here on Employment Matters, we bring you updates from around the world as we dial in our local ELA lawyers. These good folks practice on the ground in jurisdictions all around the globe, working daily to help their clients move through these difficult times. Today, we're going to be chatting with Robert Holtzman, partner at Kramer Levin in New York City. We also have a special announcement moving forward. We now have a new moderator who will be helping us with podcasts in the United States. We're pleased to welcome Holly Goodman, shareholder at Gunster in Southern Florida. Holly, thanks for joining the podcast team. How are you today?
1: Thanks, Peter. I'm doing great and I'm thrilled to be joining the Employment Matters team. On the program today, Robert is going to update us on the New York City Fair Chance Act. Thanks for joining us, Robert. How are you today?
0: Everything is great. Thanks so much, Holly. It's good to be here and to have an opportunity to talk about these new developments under New York City law.
1: Glad to hear it. Robert, I understand that New York City recently amended its Fair Chance Act. So what do those new changes mean for employers?
0: Holly, those changes are going to require very significant changes for employers to make in connection with their recruiting practices. Since 2015, New York City has had a Fair Chance Act which required certain processes to be followed in the event that an individual candidate had a conviction history or an arrest record and whether or not the employer could take an action based upon that against the individual in terms of not hiring them or taking other adverse action. Now that has been expanded in several ways, which are gonna cause employers to have to take different actions And actually restructure the way they do background checks and recruiting.
1: So is this going to become a little bit of a bifurcated screening process?
0: That's exactly right, Holly. So what happens now is employers are no longer permitted to investigate criminal history or do a background check with respect to criminal history until after they've completed every other type of background check or part of the consideration process for the candidate. So what has to happen now is you cannot even mention that you're going to do a criminal background check until you've provided the candidate with a conditional offer of employment. That needs to be a formal offer of employment. It can be oral, can be in writing. Typically, it would be in writing. And at that point, you can say that you're going to do a criminal background check. Prior to that time, you must have done everything else you might want to consider before you offer that person a position and proceed with it. So for example, if you want to check someone's academic history to make sure they graduated from the school they said they graduated from, or their employment history to make sure they actually worked at the prior employers, they say, you need to do all of those things before you make the conditional offer of employment. This is very, very different from what most employers do now, right? Most employers will, instead, you make the offer of employment, you say it's subject to a background check, and then you do the background check on all of those topics, including the criminal background check. What the city has done is they've isolated the criminal inquiry so that it comes after you've made every other decision. That way, if you withdraw the offer after that point, it's very, very clear it was solely because of the criminal history that's been deduced. And then it can be analyzed to see if that was proper or not under other aspects of the Fair Chance Act.
1: Wow. That bifurcated process seems like it's going to be a little complicated for employers. How are they dealing with this change?
0: So it really requires a a sea change in the way that you think about recruiting. So now, as you're going through the recruiting process, before you get to the position of making an offer, you have to think about what needs to come first before you make that conditional offer of employment, and then the criminal inquiry coming later. It lengthens this process. So a lot of employers are used to hiring people very quickly. Now you've got two sets of things that have to happen over time, which is going to make that take longer. Already, as a result of the pandemic, credit reporting agencies, consumer reporting agencies are taking much longer to respond with respect to background checks. So it's lengthening that process significantly.
1: So for those employers who do use those consumer reporting agencies to run their background screenings for them, how have consumer reporting agencies changed their processes
0: So most of them, and I deal with quite a few, have recognized that they need to figure out how to deal with this issue for their customers. And so many of them are putting in a bifurcated process themselves so that you give the information to the consumer reporting agency. They will prepare a report that excludes the criminal history check and actually motor vehicle check as well. That's considered to be part of the criminal check because it can result in disclosing criminal history. So they'll put that in a second part of the report. You first get the first part of the report, which has everything else in it. If and when you decide to proceed with the offer, you make the conditional offer, then you can get access to the second part of the report. If for some reason the consumer reporting agency you're dealing with has not implemented that type of a procedure, you can do it internally as well. That's less preferred. But then what you would need to do is have a designated individual or individuals who obtain the full report. They edit out anything having to do with criminal history and give the edited version to the decision maker or makers. And then only after the conditional offer is made could they share the rest of the report that had the criminal history.
1: What happens if an employer gets new adverse information about a candidate? that's not related to criminal history after making the conditional offer of employment?
0: So if you've done everything you could before you made that conditional offer, then if it's truly new information, you can consider it and you could withdraw an offer based upon that. If, however, you failed to look for that information beforehand, let's say you decided not to do a check about the person's academic credentials And then after the fact, you discover that they didn't graduate from the school that they said that they graduated from. It would be a violation of the law, potentially. And certainly it looks like you're doing it based upon criminal history, if that person also had criminal history. So you would be potentially at risk for a claim under the New York City human rights law.
1: Does all of this change if an employer is considering a candidate several months out? So for instance, a current college student who might be offered a job after they graduate?
0: It makes it far more complicated. So your example is the perfect one, right? Someone who's currently at school isn't going to join for some number of months. And how do you undertake this analysis then? So the way to comply would be to actually undertake the process, perhaps as many as two times if you need to, right? So what you would want to do is before you make the offer, you check the academic credentials, you check the the work history, you make the conditional offer, you do your criminal history check at that time, you might or you might not. Then you could do a second background check later. So you could say now in order to hire you at this point, it's now July and you're about to start your, your career with us. We're going to kind of do a bring down of the background check and we're gonna check for any new reports. You could not take action at that point on anything that existed in connection with the earlier report. You could only base it upon new reports of any kind of adverse activity.
1: So would that same process apply, Robert, for an employer who wants to run another background check on an existing employee, say for a promotion or as an update to a prior
0: screen? That's an interesting question, Holly. The guidance from the New York City Commissioner of Human Rights does not specifically address that, but it would be safest to do it in the same way, to have the bifurcated process where first you look at any other information other than criminal check and motor vehicle check, and then in a second part, you get that information. It may be that in a promotion process, you don't do the rest of the background check, and you're really focused on true adverse information of a criminal nature in which case, of course, you could do it in one package.
1: And so that, I think, begs the question, if a candidate or an existing employee does come back with a report of a criminal history, are there any changes under the law in the process of how an employer should address that and whether or not they can withdraw a conditional offer?
0: There are significant changes, and New York already had a very strict process on how to deal with this type of situation under the Fair Chance Act in its original incarnation. But there are only two reasons you can withdraw the offer of employment based upon a criminal offense or a pending arrest. I should say you can never withdraw an offer of employment based upon an arrest that did not result in a conviction unless the employer is exempt from coverage of the act, which is very narrow. And we can come back and and talk about that in just a moment. But if you find evidence of a conviction or there's a pending arrest, the two reasons you can withdraw the offer are because there's a direct relationship between the criminal offense and the employment, or the employment would involve an unreasonable risk to property or to the safety or welfare of specific individuals or the general public. And New York law provides a clear methodology on how you analyze those two issues to determine if they apply. Under New York State law, Article 23A provides a list of considerations that an employer must consider when you're going through this type of process. The New York City Fair Chance Act expands that and requires that that process be conducted in a very clear way, There are numerous factors such as the specific duties and responsibilities that are related to the employment, the relationship between the criminal offense and the person's duties and responsibilities as contemplated, the time that's elapsed since the occurrence of the criminal offense, the age of the person, and under New York City law, if the person was under 25 at the time of the offense, that's considered to be a mitigating factor. The seriousness of the offense any information produced by the individual and you must ask them for this information regarding their rehabilitation or other good conduct and whether the person has received what's called a certificate of relief from disabilities or a certificate of good conduct which shows a presumption of rehabilitation you must consider every single one of those factors before you make any decision you must document this process and a notice that you provide to the candidate or the employee. And then you must give them five business days to respond, providing other information in mitigation, perhaps, of the findings that have been made. So it's a very structured process. If you fail to do any of those steps that are required, you have a per se violation of the human rights law. We've
1: spoken quite a bit about the criminal history aspect of a background check. Can employers also do a reference check with an individual's current employer after making a conditional offer?
0: So again, this is an area where the guidance doesn't address the situation. But as we know, it's typically impossible to get a reference check from the person's current employer until you've made that offer of employment. And so if that is the circumstance in your industry, or if you ask the candidate if they have someone at their current employer who can provide a reference check and they say not until I have an offer in my hand, then I think it would be reasonable and it would be fine under the law to proceed with that reference check after you've made the conditional offer. And the reason for that is because you could not get that information prior to the time you made the conditional offer.
1: So we've talked a bit about this bifurcated process, and earlier you had mentioned that an employer cannot even mention a criminal history check until after having gone through that first prong. So can you tell me a little bit more about how an employer will tell a candidate that they will be subject to a background check or a criminal history check?
0: So the law is very focused on terminology. And the City Commission has recognized that if you tell people that they will be subject to a background check, in many or most instances, perhaps, people will perceive that as meaning a criminal check. And they don't want candidates to be dissuaded from applying because they learn that they're going to be subjected to a criminal background check. For that reason, we're not permitted to use the terminology background check until you make that conditional offer of employment. So you cannot have an advertisement that says candidates will be subject to a background check. You can't have it in your application that you're going to be subject to a background check. What you can do, and the guidance encourages employers to do, is to describe the types of checks that will be undertaken. So you can say confirmation of academic credentials, reference checks with respect to prior employment, If there are other specific things you're looking for, they want you to specifically list those things. In addition, in order to comply with the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you have to give, obviously, the required notices and get the acknowledgement. You can refer specifically to getting a consumer report or an investigative consumer report, and the guidance encourages you to do that. The challenge I have with that is that the average candidate does not know what a consumer report is and is likely then to ask the question. And then if that happens, you would have to give the answer without listing the criminal background information.
1: And we had talked earlier and we said we'd circle back. So let's circle back to exemptions. You mentioned that some employers are exempt from the requirements of the law. Who would be exempt?
0: So there are very narrow exemptions. One example is police or peace officers. Those are specifically exempted. Some governmental entities are exempted from having to follow the Fair Chance Act. But the principal exemption most employers will be interested in is if you are required by law to conduct a background check or to exclude candidates or employees based upon certain criminal background then you have a partial or complete exemption from the law. So one example would be employers in the securities industry who are required to conduct background checks on employees who are associated persons. In that case, they are not required to follow the two-step process, the bifurcated process that we've discussed. And whether they have to follow the fair chance process and analyzing a conviction depends on whether it is something that causes a mandatory bar from employment. So if the person has a conviction that under the law or under the regulations of FINRA or another self-regulatory organization would mean the employer is not permitted to employ that person, you do not need to follow the fair chance process. However, if you've determined or found criminal background that doesn't cause that statutory disqualification, then you must follow the rest of the fair chance analysis. You have to go through each one of those factors. You have to provide the notice to the employee and make the determination in accordance with the law. In addition, an employer may have some employees who are subject to mandatory disqualifications like that and others who are not. And with respect to those other employees, they are still required to follow the entire fair chance process.
1: Wow, that seems like it can get really complicated for employers. So, what are the penalties that are associated with a failure to comply with these strict requirements?
0: When an employer withdraws a conditional offer of employment or otherwise takes an adverse action without following the Fair Chance Act requirements, they are subject to a discrimination claim. This becomes a claim of discrimination under the New York City human rights law. And so with respect to that candidate, they can be responsible for back pay, front pay, emotional distress damages, attorney's fees, and punitive damages. So it's like any other claim of discrimination in terms of the possible impact on the individual who lost the opportunity for employment as a result of that. In addition, there are per se violations. So for example, If you post an advertisement that says the position requires a background check, that would be a per se violation. The city commission can take action on that by itself and can impose fines that can range into the tens of thousands of dollars.
1: Wow. This is certainly a complicated area of the law for employers, and we know that these issues are going to continue to evolve. Robert, thanks so much for taking the time to discuss these issues with us and for joining us on the program. For our listeners, if you'd like to connect with Robert, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. You may also search the ELA website at ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Holly Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.